five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello everyone, I'm in Sydney today with photographer Catherine Lutenegger. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Daniel? I am doing just fine. I was really excited to meet you. I, I didn't know that your work was going to be at Head On, and then I found out what the work was about, which we're going to talk about in great depth uh, in a minute, and I was in very excited to meet you. I absolutely love the work, but before we get there, let's talk a little bit about you. Who are you, where do you come from, and what do you do? Who I am? Well, I'm a Swiss-based photographer. I was born in Lausanne, Switzerland. and. What I'm doing? Well, I'm a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and teacher as well. Where um, do you teach? I teach photography uh, at the, the school of Beauvais, photo school of Beauvais. That and sounds exotic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beauvais is a very exotic city. It's beautiful. We are by the lake. Wonderful. That sounds good. I'm ready to go about now. Uh, my, my mom's family's from Switzerland, so I've only been through the airports there yet. So uh, at some point, I'll hopefully explore the place. And so when you say you're a photographer, what kind of photography do you do? Well, I, um, I actually uh, do different kind of uh, photography topics. I mean, I'm not um, into portrait photography or architecture photography uh, or still life photography. I'm, um, I'm doing a bit of everything. Um, um, what is um, funny is that for my um, commission projects, I'm doing more portraits than for my personal projects. But in my personal pr projects, it's more about uh, feeling the presence of the people instead of, of seeing them at some point. Isn't it strange that sometimes when you show your book as a photographer, you'll get hired to do a job based on your book, but then they hire you to do something that's entirely different? Does that happen to you at all? Yeah, it happens to me all the time. But, you know, I... Um, I as I told you, I'm not focused on uh, one specific uh, field in photography, and uh, I'm interested uh, in different kind of fields. And so when, uh, at what age were you when photography became something that you became interested in? I was um, a teenager, I would say 12, 13 years old. And what was it about photography? At the time, well... Um, I was trying to explore uh, some visual effects with my uh, small Olympus camera <laughs> that my uh, father uh, gave me. And um, apart from that, I was also drawing and uh, making some collage, making different kind of crazy things, mixing them all together. Um, so I think I've always, always been interested in Observ uh, observing the world and uh, trying to express myself through different kind of mediums. And how do you, as being a creative is a being a very interesting part of society, I think creatives sort of fit this, this mold where they have a freedom to sort of do things that other people in other industries don't. How, how do you view being a creative in the overall sense of being a part of culture, but part of society? Um, I know that's a little nebulous question, but the, my, the, the question is basically, um, where do you see creatives fitting in, in terms of culture? Like with your project about Rochester, which we're going to talk about in a minute, 
that project is about history, it's about preservation, and it's mm -hmm. about narrative, it's about storytelling. And creatives, I think, form a really integral part of society because we're sort of the ones that shine the light on certain things. Um, mm. And sometimes creatives don't get the credit that, they're, mm. that they deserve because people look at the industry and say, well, it's all about like how people economically contribute to the industry. But how, what do you see your role as a creative is? How does it fit in culture? Mm. I think that creatives uh, have their own way of seeing things, observing things things and that it could be uh, a new manner of, of uh, looking at the, the things and in my case I think that um, people are, are interested in uh, working with me because I have uh, this uh, sensi sensitivity in um, um, approaching the, the, pr the, the, the subject the topic uh, in a more uh, deeper way than, super, than a superficial uh, superficial way and I think I think that they they find me creative in that sense is that I have this uh, uh, power or this uh, sense that's this um, sense of uh, viewing things in a different way in a more deeper way well I can definitely say with certainty that you have that power because you showed you just gave a presentation here at head-on which was about your project on the city of Rochester which was the home base of and still is the home base of Eastman Kodak company so tell us you did a book it's an absolutely beautiful book and the photographs I've now seen them for the second time they are uh, not only did you manage to make beautiful photographs of this place but they're also haunting in a way that's very specific but the second time I saw the work this your ability as a photographer really came through because th they were so there were scenes that were up on the surface look so simple but they're not in the way that you framed things and the light and uh, tell us a little bit about the book the title of the book and uh, the genesis of the project when was the first idea or the first spark of the project the first part was that I was realizing uh, being part maybe of the last generation who would uh, use uh, film. And I was wondering what would happen to um, the, the, the labs, what would happen to analog photography in a larger sense. And uh, I was very vo worried that uh, at some point we would uh, lose completely uh, the opportunity to work with film the opportunity to work with digital camera, uh, with uh, analog cameras, sorry. And uh, yeah, the first spark was uh, someone has to document uh, this uh, special uh, period of time in this transition between analog and digital photography. And that's how I, I got to go to, to Rochester at some point. I was already doing um, testimony of that, of this uh, change, this shift in Switzerland. And then I had the opportunity to go on with this project in New York, in Manhattan, and I naturally made my way to the mecca of uh, the film industry, meaning by that Kodak in Rochester. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what time frame was that when you first, wh when did you first have the idea that this was what you, when, that you wanted to go to Rochester? What year? That was in 2007, uh, and I was still using film at that time. And uh, since I studied photography, since I, um, uh, I discovered photography, I've always seen the name of Rochester in, my, uh, in the packaging of my films without knowing where this city was. So I decided I have to go there. I mean, 
that how are my 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 films uh, manufactured and who uh, what is the story story behind Kodak who, how and when it has been established so what was your first reaction to the moment you first set foot in Rochester well my first impression <laughs> <laughs> when i got off the bus i took a bus from manhattan to to Rochester was uh, this uh, feeling of emptiness. I have to say that after having uh, lived for more than four months in Manhattan, I got used to this uh, boiling rhythm of the city. I was used to all these people around me, and uh, when I arrived in Rochester, I, it was the the, the, um, the contrast was even stronger and I um, the f my first feeling was the feeling of emptiness and at sometimes some some points some point also a feeling that uh, something was over here that something uh, had had gone there was a finality to it so my first uh, moment in Rochester was in the middle of winter and they put me in an apartment complex that was basically abandoned I think I was the only maybe one of the only people in the entire complex. It was freezing cold, it was dark, and I felt you know, very much out of place. And luckily I only had to stay for a couple of days. The original plan was I was gonna be there for a year, and I lasted, I think, three days, and they, mm. they kicked me back to California, which I'm forever grateful for. What was the reaction to, and what was the reaction from Kodak of you making these pictures? Well, the, the reactions uh, were quite uh, simple, they were, uh, they were a bit f frightened that my work would give um, a bad bad image of the company and I tried to convince them that I was doing this work more as a, an artistic world than anything and that my idea was to to make a testimony to make an historical um, uh, record of what's going on in Rochester um, but that was not sufficient for them I mean they were really trying to keep uh, the image of Kodak as a thriving company, and and even if I was going there with uh, this uh, personal project, this personal idea to make a, an artistic world out of uh, work out of that, they were quite anxious about uh, my pres presence there and giving me the access to to the facilities. What's interesting to me is when I look at the when I look at the photographs and having worked at Kodak, I still shoot Kodak film. I love Kodak film. I still have a lot of respect for the company. I think we wouldn't be where we are in the industry if there wasn't obviously Kodak. And I don't get a I don't get a sad feeling from the photographs. I get a feeling of frustration. I think there's a lot of people there that are frustrated, but also myself as a photographer that still uses that I feel frustration more than anything else. But there's really, even the pictures that have a haunting quality to them still have a really beautiful aspect. There's one picture in particular that I think really, um, maybe on the surface, it's a surprise that I choose this photograph, but there's a picture of a turnstile that people would walk through coming and going from work or maybe leaving from work, and there's not a single person in the, in the photograph, and it's that weird sort of internal fluorescent light, but it's beautiful and it kind of glows. It's one of those things that we walk by every day for years and years and years, but never really notice. Tell, tell me just a little bit about that photograph, because I think, again, it would be something that most photographers would walk right by. It's, it's too expected and common, but it's beautiful, and it really like stuck, struck, struck me when I saw your presentation. Do you mean the turnstile for the, um, the fitness entrance or the turnstile of the headquarters? 
where you can see a guy uh, with the no, his it, phone. It, it must be the fitness because the there's fitness? no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I the the story behind this picture is uh, that I I was actually in the uh, not in the basement. You say that? Yeah, yeah, the basement. I was in the basement, so there were no natural light, and I find it a bit weird to have this uh, fitness place, this sport place, where you would just uh, take some time uh, after your work. Uh, um, without any yeah natural light natural air <laughs> it's uh, it was in the basement and um, I like this picture because at some point it it's uh, this turnstile is also a bit like a prison turnstile it's uh, it's industrial huge. it's yeah. industrial and uh, I was a bit uh, shocked by this uh, entrance for fitness it could be uh, the entrance of a prison it's not that uh, that fancy or that friendly to me. This uh, kind of architecture, um, but I yeah I like the light. I like the um, the architecture, um, the furniture, and I wanted to to record that. The the photographs show a, a place that I know that you said that Kodak wanted to, you know to sort of come across as a con as a company that was still thriving. But anyone who's ever been there and your photographs reflect this, it really is like a time capsule because things are very much preserved, but not in a 2016 way. They're preserved in like a late 90s, early 2000s way. Was that a shock to you to see how things were so sort of things, how things stopped? Yeah, sure. Because uh, for me, Kodak was the first uh, manufacturer of film worldwide. And... I would have imagined something completely different, some, something much more modern, uh, much more high-tech, I don't know. Uh, Kodak uh, had such a radiance all over the world. They had such a, s such strong uh, advertising um, uh, symbols, uh, such a strong uh, presence uh, um, in, a, yeah, in a advertising. I, I would have thought that uh, being there, viewing the buildings uh, would have been a different feeling than being um, in f uh, being in front of uh, something that is already kind of obsolete and uh, outdated. I mean, they were a legitimate empire, you know, a global empire. When I started, I think there were somewhere, I don't know what it was, 90,000 employees around the world. And then mm -hmm. five years later, it had been reduced dramatically. When you start uh, a project like this, what is the, what's the ultimate goal that you have before you've even made the photographs? What's, what's the best case scenario for you as a, as a professional photographer? Is it a book? Is it an exhibition? Is it both? Is it a, a reaction from the work? What's the, what do you think about? Um, I knew I wanted to do a book about uh, this project at Kodak because just my pictures uh, was only the picture wa was not uh, strong enough to get the message I wanted to pass through the work. And for the book, I had the chance to work with different authors, very renowned in the photography world, such as uh, Urs Steil. He was uh, the ex-director at the, the Photo Museum in Winterthur. And Jörg Bader is uh, currently uh, the, the director at the Centre of la de la Photographie in Geneva. And uh, the last author, uh, A.D. Coleman, which mm -hmm. is uh, an American uh, um, critic uh, mm -hmm. yeah. on photography and 
who has seen uh, in a very close way the, the decline at Kodak and these people at Kodak not uh, wanting to uh, admit that we were facing uh, a huge change, a huge shift in, in photography. And so uh, how long did you work on the project? I worked on the project uh, already in Switzerland um, and I started in 2005 and then um, the Kodak City project in Rochester started in 2007 and I finished it in 2012. I went back there right after they announced uh, officially their bankruptcy. And is that kind of time frame typical for you when you work on a project? I think a lot of young photographers, especially photographers who are just coming up, assume that things happen much more quickly, but I think anyone who's done long-term documentary work knows that it can take years and years. Is that a typical time frame? And, and is that a time frame that you envision continuing in the future on future projects? Um, I hope I, I, uh, I will make, make my other project in a much uh, quicker way. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning by that, that you know, um, in 2007, I had already um, many pictures from uh, Rochester, but there was still something missing, and this part missing was this uh, restriction I had uh, to go and photograph uh, some places at, at the Kodak Industrial Park. And when I, I, I left Rochester in 2007, I, I, I thought, well, I will go back, I will go back. I have to go back, the project is not over, but uh, I don't know when I will get the, this permission to, to photograph uh, other, other places uh, at Kodak. And I was waiting a bit on that and, and that led me to, to the, the fact that I had to wait so much time uh, to, go, to go back there. Um, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's a typical frame. I mean, it's quite long, this uh, mm -hmm. yes. six, uh, seven years period and um, when you think that maybe the, the time to take the picture was not more than one month, uh, the rest is uh, is uh, time you spend uh, trying to get in touch with the people and mm -hmm. uh, also working on the editing of your of your work uh, of your pictures and so on. Let's talk about that. So you've done how many? First of all, did you shoot this on film or did you shoot digital? I shot. Uh, I shot. Uh, with both cameras. Um, it was really important for me to work with these two cameras in the sense that um, my project was not about telling that digital, digital photography uh, is, uh, is bad. I'm not nostalgic at all. I, I, I love uh, digital photography as well. Um, for me, it was important to, to keep both, um, both, te both uh, technologies uh, for the project. So I, I shot with a small uh, format camera, in a digital camera, and, and uh, with a medium format camera with film. Film camera. Yeah. And so you shot for this amount of time. You shot both digital and film. How long was the editing process? It was quite long. Um, and did you edit by yourself, or did you have help? I got helped, uh, um, but it was quite long to to do the editing for the book, actually, because I, my aim after I came back from this, my second trip in, in uh, Rochester was uh, to, to, uh, to do a, a dummy book that I, I could afterwards present to some publishers. And that was hard at some point to make the editing uh, 
of pictures that I, I have uh, I had made uh, five years <laughs> earlier sure. uh, plus this new picture I, I, I had just taken um, but I was lucky to 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 have some people who helped me throughout the process and uh, and and then have uh, my dummy uh, my my dummy book uh, ready to show. So for those who've never worked with an editor, young photographers that may not know how that process works. So when you sit down with your own work, sometimes you fall in love with pictures that may or may not be beneficial to the project, and you need someone to come in and say, "Hey, like you know, I know you're in love with that picture, but it doesn't work." How does the editor, what do they do for you in specifically in terms of a project like this? So wh what was the most important aspect that the editor brought that you didn't bring or that you found you needed help with? Mm, I think that I needed uh, help uh, to get rid of the pictures that were um, not giving anything new to the project. Uh, and um, I mean, when you're you're doing the editing, sometimes when you, you are the other person that uh, who that did the picture, you uh, it's kind of hard because you have an intimate uh, feeling to the picture, and uh, some picture was so hard to make <laughs> that at some point you you really want them to be part of the um, of the last uh, editing, and and at some point uh, you really need someone that comes. Uh, like you said, and 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 make the selection for you, so that you get rid of the of the picture that are not necessary uh, to tell your your message. Do you have any idea how many photographs you made uh, total, and then how many ended up in the book, Approx mm. approximately? Approximately, I think I made uh, almost. Uh, it's not so much, but because I, w I was in Rochester making f taking photographs for. Uh, for not more than one month, but uh, I would say I had uh, uh, 4,000 pictures and that the final selection was uh, was less than 100. Less than 100. That's yeah. that's pretty heavy editing. Yeah. That's good. But that, that's what it takes. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of times now that people shoot, we shoot so much now. It's hard to do that, but that's, um, that's a, a good uh, lesson for anybody out there who hasn't really done a tight edit like that. So let's talk a little bit more about the book. Who is the publisher of the book? The publisher is uh, Kerr. They are based uh, in Heidelberg in Germany. And I, I purposely ask you because I can't pronounce that name, so I knew that you would do a masterful job of that. It's a beautiful book. Um, how long was it from the moment that they acquired the book to the time that the book came out, approximately? Uh, I think it was... A bit less than a year. A bit less than a year. Mm. So relatively, relatively quick. Yeah, relatively quick. Yeah. And was this your first book, second book, third book? It was actually my second book. And mm. was the book experience what you thought it would be, or were there curves and twists and turns? Um, no, I think it. Mm, it was a, a great collaboration. Care, uh, care. Uh, gave me the the freedom to choose my um, my graphic designer, for instance. Great, so great, I had yeah. the chance to work very closely with the graphic designer living in the same town uh, where I live, and this this was good for me because I had this uh, freedom, and at some point I um, I didn't feel any pressure uh, from uh, from the publishers for the design of the book. And was it a did you do a, a big offset run or a small offset run? Uh, I guess I suppose it's a s it's a it's uh, a small one. It's a, it was a one thousand print run. Oh, that's I good. No, that's yeah. 
I think it's a quite um, a standard one. Right? Yeah, that's a good size. Yeah. Okay. And um, and what about the materials of the book? How did you come to choosing the kind of paper and cover types and things like that? Oh, I've been helped with my my graphic designer, uh, Chris Gauci. Uh, he's uh, he has been doing some other book projects before, and he helped me a lot with the. The, the choice of the of the paper. I remember we we've been also to the library and we've been <laughs> looking at so many books, uh, trying to to find the the, the, right. the the right one. Yeah. Yeah, the right mix. The right mix. So you've done this ma magical project. It's really really good. I'm gonna buy the last copy of the book that you have, <laughs> uh, which I'm very glad glad you still have. And uh, so you've done the pr you did the project. You've got this beautiful book. You're exhibiting it head on. Um, what's next for the project, and what, what in your view would be the best case scenario in terms of like what success looks like for a project like this from here here on out? You've already done this amazing work and got the book and been exhibited, mm. but is there anything else? Mm. I would say that now the the Codex CD project can live by by itself at some point, and I have to to go on with new projects and. Um, and find new ventures uh, because um, the Kodaxi project uh, took me already so many years of work. Uh, now I really feel I need to, to put my energy in in something something new, and uh, I'm glad that the Kodaxi work uh, traveled so much uh, worldwide. I mean, it it has been shown in Switzerland. Zurich Winter Tour, but then it has been shown as well um, worldwide in France for Paris um, exhibition, uh, Paris uh, festival uh, circulations, and then in India and uh, in Finland and now in Australia. I mean, it's uh, the best that could happen to a project to be shown uh, worldwide, but at some point afterwards, you really need to put now your energy in something new uh, and as I said, get new, uh, new feedback and new, new ventures. I think it speaks, though, to the idea of what it takes to really be a professional photographer today. I think a lot of times when young people come up and they want to be photographers, they think that it's 99% it's making photographs. And I think what you just explained is that, yes, you have to start with the best possible work that you can do. Mm. But ultimately, ultimately, if you want these projects to thrive and to survive, it's, it's years in the front end and years in the back end that you really become married to these projects. And that, you know, like you said, you want to devote your energy now to something new, but at the same time, don't want to neglect this, this thing that you already have. Mm. And I think uh, that uh, photography is sometimes a lot more complex than we were led to believe initially. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and it's hard to find the right balance. I mean, because I still need to pay my, my bills as well. And I, I need uh, some income and teaching is, uh, is also good for that. I mean, I have some uh, fixed income and then if I can sell uh, books or if I can sell prints, uh, that's great. But I, I cannot count on that. Not now. I <laughs> hope maybe uh, they someday. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I, could, I will count on that, but uh, yeah, at some point you really need to find a good balance between all these uh, activities. So you live this amazing life. You're a photographer. You teach. You have a successful project. Where do you, when you have moments of quiet and you're looking to be inspired, where do you find inspiration? Is it other photographers? Is it literature, music, art, your family, your friends? Where do you, where do you get inspired? Mm. 
I think I got inspired by um, by the way people are are using photography the, the by technological changes and my new project is now about uh, 3D printing because I'm I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing all around me that uh, everybody is talking about this technology it's the technology of the future and nobody really knows what will be the limitation of such a technology I think I get inspired by what's uh, going on uh, uh, every day uh, and uh, by how technology can change uh, our way of living. And what's next for you? When you leave here, you fly back to Switzerland. I fly back to Switzerland and <laughs> uh, I, I will have to organize my next trip to China uh, where I would like to photograph a company printing houses throughout a 3D printer machine, a huge one. Uh, so I'm going back, but then I'm preparing for my next uh, my next trip. Always my something. Always something, uh, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you allowing me to spring this interview on you at the last second. And um, I know that everyone's going to be very happy to hear this story and see this work. And where can people find you and find the book? Uh, you can find... Uh, the book uh, online, you can either, if you want a signed copy of the book, you can either uh, directly order the book. Uh, you have all, all the information on, on my website, which is... Uh, um, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I uh, spell it? or It's uh, C-L-E-U-T-E-N-E-G-G-E-R.com. Uh, or you can just write my entire name on Google and find me quite easily. Or you can also purchase uh, the book uh, in bookstores. It's, uh, the book has been um, quite broadly um, distributed. distributed. Yeah. Well, I thank you again. I really appreciate it. I love the work. It's beautiful. It, uh, it's a book that brings back a lot of memories for me. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you.